Coming to you from the foot of the majestic Rocky Mountains, Denver, Colorado, it's the Savage Cast, a Savage Worlds podcast brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Savages. Here are your hosts, Chris Savage Mummy Fox and Christopher Savage Bull Landauer. Welcome to episode 39 of Savage Cast, Savage Seas. I'm your one of your hosts, Chris Savage Mummy Fox. I am Christopher Savage Bull Landauer. And I am Dustin No Moniker Hatchet, and I'm not going to take the moniker that Ron gave me last episode. <laughs> no, I think I think you're good. I think you're good as, as Dustin the No Moniker. I, I like Dustin the No Moniker. Yeah, we'll just we'll just leave it at that. So, what's everybody been up to since last recording? It hasn't uh, been very long. We've actually it hasn't even been a, it's what, what about a month. A little less right? since little we last less recorded. Thing. Yeah. Wow. And it's the holidays. Though. Yeah, we're getting we're we're. we're we keep saying every time we we set up the new equipment and we bought some new stuff, we're like, God, we just we just act like we know what we're doing. Now, if we could just get a regular schedule, but <laughs> that ain't yeah, happening. we we bought pop filters, so now we can say like obnoxious like pertussis, and it doesn't actually make the the volume spike, the level spike. So yeah, so it's fantastic. So anything fun and exciting gaming wise? Lots of prep for the big cruise, which we're going to talk about today. Yeah, and uh, we got some swag in. And uh, we have, uh, let's see, ooh, uh, shot glasses just came in, and they're sexy. Savage World shot glasses. I know all those people who are not going to be going on the cruise are going to be sad. Right. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll like, figure out some merch to do. The, uh, we have one idea for actually a product that we're going to eventually release regarding a magical deck of cards. We can't give you much more clues on that, but, like, we're going to probably we're gonna try to play test it on the cruise, see what Shane thinks of it. But we were originally hoping we'd get we'd actually develop it and have it for a, like a swag for the cruise. But like, eh, our timelines are. It's gonna take a little bit of time. Yeah, a little. It's, tight. it's a cool. It's a really cool idea, but it's gonna take a little bit of time. So, but uh, gaming wise, I know I know you're always busy doing eight eight million other things and don't have time to game. But yeah, are you uh, taking of... are you taking part still playing in uh, the Sunday afternoon Sunday evening? I game? haven't gotten a couple times. The last time they played Feng Shui, and I really want to play. Oh, I do too. Because. Um, not to like spoil this or anything, but you know, like one of the sequels to SWAT, our initial SWAT publication is going to be, uh, you know, a Jackie Chan Eastern movie, yeah, Kung yeah. Fu, series. Hong Kong action movies, right? Chow Yun Fat, John Woo, exactly. Uh, Dan- Danny Danny Yoon, yes, I think is his name. So you know, we're going to do something with all those guys because I am a huge Hong Kong action movie fan. Yeah, people were saying that like Feng Shui kind of pulled on some of those strings that's too. exactly what it is yeah it, so. it's it's cinematic hong kong action movie time travel all that kind of cool stuff yeah feng shui is it's it's a cool system i i've had both books and i've only played it one time ross watson ran it at a convention one time and i got to play it there with him but i'd like to do it again i want to um you know maybe more than a one shot um, i used to back in the 90s there was a card game called shadow fist and that's kind of where Feng Shui, the role-playing game, came out of the collectible card game, Shadow Fist. And I still own and have all of my Shadow Fist cards. And I just, every so often, I just get this itch like, man, I wish I could find some a couple of people who like to play Shadow Fist. Because there for a while, I had a, a weekly Shadow Fist game that I played in. And I probably spent $10,000 on cards. Really? Total. Something like that. Wow. No, Shadow Fist was the hotness here for... Oh, about 15 years ago for about two years. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It Maybe was. almost 20 because um, Shadow Fist, they, 
the designer of it and that stuff, they ended up both Z-Man Games and AEG got bumps from that one card game and kind of started both of those companies. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, so yeah. that makes sense. You spend in the $10,000, uh, you, you help fund two companies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and this was back uh, back in the days, uh, for, for you people for, who are not from the Denver area, this will mean nothing to you, but uh, to Dustin, it'll, it'll mean something. This was back in the days when a Tactics was open. Hey, and I would spend a crap ton of money at a tactics. Mm -hmm. um, I was actually, it was really funny. I was actually running a daycare and it was during the summer and we would take the kids over to a skating rink, was, which was right around the corner. And every time we went to the skating rink, I would disappear for about a half hour. And I'd run around the corner to a tactics and spend a bunch of None of you of children money. die while I'm gone. Oh, uh, there were other people to watch them. And I would run around the corner to a tactics and buy myself a bunch of Shadow Fist decks and then go back and <laughs> I'm back. So, yeah, I miss, I miss Shadow Fist. And, and I think Feng Shui would really be a lot of fun. And I would, I would know a lot of the background. Yeah, the uh, the one that uh, came out about the same time that used a little bit of the same mechanics was Legend of the Five Rings. It's like they kind of came up with some things from there, and all those ones that we don't get to play anymore. That all and all of them turned into role playing games, like except for Shadow Fist, which I think it needs to be that. It yeah. Needs to be well, that's exactly what I mean. That's what Feng Shui yeah. is. Feng Shui they just took the Shadow Fist world. And turned it into into the mm -hmm. RPG. Well, and Dustin, you gave me a, a deck of like parody cards that included a. Those were from Z-Man games. Yeah, they were all them. the Grave Robbers uh, series and Skippy's Revenge and all the B movie card decks. Yeah, yeah, I have a, I have a couple of those games. Those were fun. Mm -hmm. Those were fun, but just another thing that I you know I bought and played a couple times, and they have sat on my shelf for a really long time. But yeah, they're, they're, those are good for like just getting your the creative juices for writing stuff for adventures and things oh, to, yeah, well, to it, use it, those cards. So you mentioned the tactics. So I remember at least 10 years ago going to tactics and the, they actually had like still on the shelves. They did a lot of, of, um, war miniature games, yes. like, you know, historicals, uh, historical miniatures. And the, um, someone had published a, and it, by published, I mean like Xerox the internal pages and had like a manila folder on the outside pages of a, uh, a little booklet that had, um, battle, initial battle positions for like a dozen or more historical battles. And I remember I picked that up not because I wanted to play historical miniatures, but because one of the battles in there was Karai, which was the uh, Roman empire versus the Persians. And that battle is actually significant. The, the drawing the thread back to Savage Worlds is the the adventure I, I wrote started writing off of that battle, and it's kind of this interesting battle where um, the Romans just get obliterated. And the uh, there's an interesting there's an interesting thread you can draw through there where um, you know, in, in, in the ancient period, right around zero, you know, uh, time of Christ, you have these two major empires in the world. You got China and the Romans, and like the uh, the Parthians are like right in the middle, and the uh, they never really met. Like the Romans and the Chinese never really faced off on. Um, uh, in battle or in any significant way. I mean, they definitely met through trade. Common historical questions of what would happen if Rome met Han China. So I kind of wrote a adventure around that. 
And um, there's 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 hints and rumors that like they lost Legion. The, you know, the Legion was destroyed by the Parthian army, the Persians, and that they relocated a bunch of the Romans onto their eastern frontier. And that eventually those guys settled down, married, you know, new wives, had new families, and then were eventually attacked by the Zhongnu, who were like the uh, horsemen on the steppes. So that, that was that was kind of the concept. But anyways, that whole concept is actually working its thread into something like I present a pinnacle for a Weird Wars Rome uh, adventure. So what is old is new again. And, um, you know, even though the tactics is God, it's been gone. Well, they, they, they did a big stupid thing where they're like, we're going to, um, spend our money that we've been making great money on Yu-Gi-Oh and, and collectible card games and stuff. And we're going to try to finance a, uh, miniatures producing line back when it was before resin, right? There's like a pewter. They were still going to be a pewter line. And, uh, that kind of bankrupted them. And, uh, then they went away, which is sad. It was sad. It was sad. I uh, I loved the tactics. Yeah, you know, being on the west side of town, Valhalla's was my jam, and Valhalla's and the tactics both went pith within six months of each other. The only one left standing was Bonnie Bray. Uh, right, and that lasted a whole another what year and a half? Maybe. Another year and a half. Yeah. The uh, well, one. I mean, they, they were successfully moved out of Bonnie Bray because Bonnie Bray got gentrified, mm-hmm. and then they were over in downtown Inglewood. Great location. And then, yeah, no, the, the, the inevitable march of time and um, everybody moving to Denver raised their rents it, too much. It was and too much holy, smoking. It was the holy trinity of the three game stores mm-hmm. in this town was those three because their locations were west side, central, east side. It was – and you can literally make the loop in like an hour and hit all three stores on the same day find everything that you needed all in one place. Well, and then like the, their secondary, their B, their B sides uh, of products, like, um, you know, a Tactics did the car, the collectible card games more than either of the other two. And then um, Bonnie Bray Hobbies did models. So like, you know, actual like tanks and submarines and ships, like, you know, miniature models and kind of- Kind um, of like Hobbytown USA. Yeah, Hobbytown now. stuff, right? And then- um, and then Valhalla's had all of like the anime and video and a bunch of other kind of pop culture kind of stuff in there. Um, and so, you know, they also had that kind of, they weren't all clones of each other. You know, they, they definitely kept Oh, the the, each, each game store had its own unique vibe. Um, and now with the modern game stores, I, I made a circuit the uh, just this last week putting out flyers for Hexacon. And some of them are starting to feel samey-samey, which is a shame. Now, I don't say that necessarily is a bad thing because they all smell better. They're all clean. They all have good restrooms. Um, they really do. And it's kind of like the legacy of the coffee store model. Yeah. The coffee store model has has brought them all up a level on presentation, uh, actual lights, um, that kind of thing. Have you ever been over to the Gaming Goat? I have. I like the Gaming Goat, which um, is a franchise store yep. that just came to Denver. I had never heard of it. and. We're going to be doing a uh, staff event there because you can do an interesting thing. You can rent out there. They have two back rooms, one that's a castle-looking uh, room and one that is a tavern-looking room. And they just stole that from Valhalla's, man. Valhalla's oh. had the castle room uh-huh. and the tavern room. These these ones actually look like it, though, oh, not yeah. just styrofoam with a big screen TV in it. <laughs> so these, these ones are posh because mm, they nice. actually have some real furniture in there. Um, these two, uh, you can rent them out at basically 10 bucks an hour, but w- when you rent it out, you get it all right back as store credit, like instantly. So what's fascinating is when you get a crew of folks to go down there and you want to do like some kind of event, 
you can then turn that around and give everyone like a $10 store credit saying, thank you for being here or doing this or doing that. So there's some neat things you can do. And the, the place is really large. I mean, it, it can hold some big events. Uh, so yeah, I was pretty impressed with that. Um, of course we have now total escape games is going on to almost 20 years and it, it was a unique game store here in Denver in that it bridged the gap between the old and all the coffee shops. Um, and it's, it's expanded and reinvented itself a couple times. Um, we, we do have more game stores per capita of gamer here in Denver than I think most cities yeah, do we got the in two, the, the two Enchanted Grounds. Yep. And Enchanted Grounds have been going, what, 15 years? Yep. And then the second one opened, what, 10 years ago maybe? Uh, another fantastic one is in Parker called Collector Mania, and it is a huge place. Um, the amount of gaming space there is fantastic. I haven't been to that one yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll call this uh, we'll call this Game Shop Corner. <laughs> right. So let me give a shout out uh, if anybody in Tucson listens to us uh, to the Isle of Games. Um, I was down in Tucson for Thanksgiving and stopped by Isle of Games. Uh, great folks. They were very helpful. Um, you know, showed me around the store, uh, and I, you know, I picked up a, I picked up a game that I wanted to play with my family, picked up some Gasland stuff that I haven't been able to find anywhere else, you know, so, uh, if you're in Tucson and you know about Isle of Games, you know, go see those folks. So what else? Anything else you want to talk, talk about, uh, uh oh, 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 I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting the finger. So did we go to, was it Lookout Games, the one we stopped at Spearfish when we were up in South Dakota? Yes. I think it was called Lookout Games. I hope that's it. It was like, I just, I was like, I don't remember the name of it. We definitely stopped in. I'm like, yeah, a little bitty, little bitty game store. And you know, yeah, and we picked a up a cool college, game though. though. College you town. You picked up a, it was like a zombie horror game that it we played. It was a bunch of monsters who were trying to take over a town. You And one person plays the monsters and one person plays the town folk. Yeah, that was a fun game. It was fun. I liked it. Two player game. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a little bit of worker placement. Wish I could remember the name of it. Oh God, right. It was a good game though. The, uh. <laughs> See, we, we we prepare for this. We take notes. We're, That's right. We're totally ahead of the game. Yeah, we know we stuff. we know what we're going to talk about before we even start mm-hmm. start the show. The game is called In Between. But you know, as long as, long as we're giving shout outs to like game stores, right? May as well. You know, those guys are very nice to us. And uh, yeah, yeah, Spearfish was cool. Hey, there, there's some more in Denver that we haven't gotten to. Uh, Atomic okay. Goblin up in Longmont, which is Stonebridge 2.0. Haven't heard of that one. Um, it's a fun little shop. It's good times up in Longmont. Uh, and then, of course, you got the different lounges now. You got uh, Board Game Republic. They don't. They, they sell some games because of time well spent in there. Uh, game Train USA. Game Train. I go to Game Train a lot. Yep. Uh, Layer of Abraxas. Uh, Layer of Abraxas. Let's see. Then we've got uh, the Game the, Lounge. The on Game Colfax. Lounge on Colfax. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they're pretty good. They they sell those Colorado sodas mm-hmm. that are delicious. Uh, I I actually went over there the other night and picked up a bunch of uh, swag that they wanted me to hand out at Hexcon and they're nice. doing some sponsoring. So yeah, those are cool folks over there. We mm-hmm. um, that's where our Sunday game that Tim Early and the rest of the crew, Sion oh, Kinderneck, whatever. I didn't realize Tim runs over there because. It is this awesome, like, straight-up dive bar game store. It is a cool vibe in there. Yeah, and you can get food. Yeah, and, and okay, I can see Tim running in there because his games would have the right vibe in that place. Totally. Okay. Yeah, no, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good okay. location. And it's also, like, it's, it's, it's filled enough regularly with other people. Like, there are definitely people who come in and just play board games and some other role-player games that come in there. So, like, it's a good mix of folks and... uh it's, most of the time, it's, it's it's decently full too. So, like, I like seeing those places succeed because mm-hmm. nothing's worse than like 
you know, you really you try to patronize a place in the good sense, not the bad sense, and uh, and they just don't have product to sell or whatever. And there've been a couple of those, some of the the Valhalla spinoffs, like or you um, uh, or you're mm-hmm. or you're running a every Saturday game for a bunch of kids, and you walk up and the doors locked, and there's a uh, lots of letters of we're not open anymore mm-hmm. on the windows. That's uh, that that was bad. Yeah, we've had um, I would say about a dozen game stores in the past dozen years just mm-hmm. come and go uh a lot of them were fun but yeah obviously they just weren't sustainable there's another one that is a smaller shop but it has a fun vibe too over in our crit castle i just thought about that yeah one crit castles yeah cool. they always support us yeah they're yeah, yeah they're they're a cool shop awesome bardo he always he ran some savage worlds they're so cool. so it is your job uh listeners to go through and get all those names written down. And the first person to put all those names in the comments <laughs> gets a prize. Uh, Thank fun. you for doing our work for us. Right. And again, this has been Game Shop Corner on Savage Cast. <laughs> if you have a game shop in your area or you run a game shop and you want us to pimp out your game shop, send us some information at uproaratsavagecast.com. Yeah, right. There we yeah, go. There we, you just, go. we just invented a new segment. Look we did. We, did. we sure did. Get game shops around the nation. Yeah, so I wanted to also talk real quick about uh, the Sav- the the Peg Show, in case people haven't heard about that. Uh, Pinnacle now has an official podcast. Yeah, we had Ron on for our last episode, and he didn't even spill the beans. No. He had a, a not only one new podcast, which show, is Savage Interludes, two, mm-hmm. two new podcast shows. Yeah, and so the the Peg Show is you know it's a kind of a shorter format, you know, twenty thirty minutes, and it's just Ron talking with various. Uh, licensees, uh, various people from Pinnacle. The very the first show uh, was with Jody, and I think they've had like four or five of them. Uh, I don't think they're on Apple Podcasts yet because I haven't been able to subscribe there. Uh, but you can go to uh, peg.com and you can get to the Peg Show from there. Uh, also, uh, they post on the, the Facebook page for the Savage Worlds official Facebook page. You can get it there. Uh, and so, you know, nice, quick, little, concise snippets of information um, that you can get from Ron and some of his guests. I'm so. still amazed Ron went from zero to through the roof instantly. I mean, I can't change gears that fast. I'm impressed. It's a lot of editing, man. A lot of editing. Yeah. Well, I, he, he doesn't have to edit uh, Savage Interludes. Tracy does that. Okay. They, 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 they've got her to do all the all the editing for that one. Excellent. Excellent. So Share the load. Right. The um, Oh, and also... Um, uh, our good friend, a friend of show, Daryl Hardy, is considering starting a podcast. He was like fishing around on Facebook for podcast equipment. So that's exciting. Yeah. I'd, I'd listen to Daryl read a dictionary. Yeah. So I, we actually had an interview with him, but then it was, I had to do it while I was driving in the car and it just didn't come out good enough for us to publish it. So when he gets his good microphone, when he buys it, we'll definitely do a new interview with Daryl. And we have so much more to talk about now because that was like pre-Gen Con uh, when he was still just coming out with uh, Empire Venom and Silk. And uh, now he's got a whole new company he's working for mm-hmm. and yeah, some cool new definitely. Yeah, he's got a lot going on. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot going on. And we got some stuff going on in in, in Denver and abroad. Yeah, so let's talk well, real quick a first, little bit about Hexacon. Dustin. Dustin's running Hexacon and we're going to be there. It, you say I'm running Hexacon as if I'm in a vacuum. No, there's 30 staff who bust their ass for four straight days to bring you gaming that is wide open. You just you just sit down and start gaming. You grab stuff off a library, you hang out, you game. If you want to do scheduled stuff, that's fine. 
What's nice about it? You sign up for it. Doesn't cost you anything. Just have a good time. Because what we want you to do when you're hanging out and playing these games with the awesome groups like Colorado Military Historians who are running some amazing stuff, uh, the Rocky Mountain Savages, the folks from Evil Beagle Games, D&D Adventure League, uh, Pathfinder, Rocky Mountain Pathfinder Society. When you play in these games, they're going to have tip jars. Just give them a tip. Just give them it right to them. Because... You love them. They do you good. Um, and we just want everyone to play games. So uh, we now have 100 events um, up there ready to go. And once again, we don't need to overschedule anything because we love pickup games. Just if you want to just run some role playing, come on down. We'll have a whiteboard. Write it down. Have about four to eight hours ahead of time and grab a table and run a role playing game. It's also a great place to pick up some folks and be able to just try something out, try something new. Yeah, I'm going to be running uh, a SWAT game that I'm working on. And I'm going to be running a um, Buccaneer game that I'm working on. So these are just a couple of, you know, kind of in in uh, process games. And so it's going to be a little little play, kind of a play test for me. Uh, and I'm going to run them again on the cruise. And so, you know, it's a perfect opportunity for me to, you know, get six people around the table and, and uh you know, try these out and see how it's going to work. So yeah, we're um, doing it like the weekend right before we take off for the cruise. So like, I think Kelson's in the same thing. Kelson's going to be there. Mm-hmm. Kelson's running. He's running like five events. Right. right. He, 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 once again, he brings it. The, uh, what is he even using? Twilight 2000, which is like a, a perennial favorite here. Like, um, he runs it. Joe runs it. A couple other people run it. Um, so there's a lot of fun for Twilight 2000 stuff. Um, I think he's also doing, um, uh, he's got oh, a thing called. He, oh, he, uh, yeah. he's running a game that's uh, off of Path of Exile, the computer game, and uh, oh yeah, both oh, yeah. of them are off of Path of Exile. Yeah, the okay. Warden of Axiom. We're just kind of looking through the schedule here on the fly, seeing what we got going on. Right, and then Tim Early, we, we you know shout out to Tim. Uh, he's actually running his Holler setting, and then also Fifty Fathoms, which is um, I think I think uh, kind of uh, universal acclaim. Everyone agrees that Fifty Fathoms is kind of the premier plot point campaign yeah. for Savage Worlds. Yeah. And um, it's a lot of fun, right? And the uh, so that's still alive and kicking. So he's going to run that. Uh, at the, and I, I'm see, I'm running SWAT, so I'm going to preview my SWAT game. And then um, I think Joe Thomas is holding it down for Freedom Squadron. And um, yeah, and then uh, uh, Scott Cross and he's running a couple items where you can. He's given the players a choice when they show up at the table. He's going to have pregens for Savage Worlds or. Uh, Prowlers and Paragons, so they get to choose which system they delve into, which I think is kind of a fascinating way of trying to hook a game. Um, and then we also have Neil Hyde. He's he's running his normal amazingness and a non-Savage Worlds uh, Expanse RPG, which Ooh. I may need to go sign up for that and play hooky for Yeah, my the duties. new season just launched. Mm-hmm. So, Such a good show. Yeah, good, good role-playing games going on there. Uh, Pathfinder, they, they threw down a bunch of stuff. Still waiting for D&D Adventure League. They've got a bunch of stuff coming to me, but they do it in a big spreadsheet to get all their tiers cleaned up. Oh, yeah. No, they're always last minute just because they, you know, it kind of comes down on the last minute on what the epics are and what the games they're allowed to run are. That's kind of... It's just the way way it it has to be, which is fine because we're still just playing games. Yeah, no, Michael McGovern's great. He actually um, uh, played in Savage Worlds for the first time, I think the last last, uh, big convention we had here uh, in Carl Kieser's game. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna start in Savage Worlds, it's kind of a good place to start. It like, is. It yeah, is. grab a Carl Kiesler game. Mm-hmm. 
Right. The um, so yeah, no, we're gonna hit up. We're hitting up. What? Give us the dates, Dustin, for um, Hexcon. It's January seventeenth through the twentieth, Friday through Monday, and that's MLK weekend. Um, I was just noting, noticing we also got uh, John uh, Suiters on there. He's doing oh, yeah. something snowball fight, and another one that is a chopping mall, chop till you drop. Both of those sound crazy. Yeah, no, I don't want to play those because the um, he actually had, he he played in my SWAT game at the last Saturday, Saturday night, and and his little crew was great. And uh, he's like, yeah, this is a great beer and pretzels game. And so I'd love to p- return the favor and play one of his games. They both sound really funny. So. And individual GMs, it, it doesn't cost anything for someone to be a GM. You just need to run a game. Uh, we appreciate you running more games, of course, but even individual GMs, if you're not part of a group, throw a tip jar out there. Um, people love you, and uh, that's that's how we're rocking this. Yeah, nice and easy. So if you can't make it on the cruise, uh, but you are in town, come check out a bunch of the games that will be run on the cruise. Um, and then... Uh, Let's see. Oh, Dustin, are you running? Are you, you're actually organizing the whole weekend, aren't you? Oh no, I'm running one. I'm I'm doing a Buccaneer. Oh, at Hexacon. Uh, oh no, not at Hexacon. No, okay. no on yeah, the cruise. On the cruise. Yeah. yeah. No, at Hexacon, I'm. Um, I may be only able to get in one game and the auction. Yeah. The rest of the time, I got to be doing stuff. The auction's good though. The fact that like Denver Con staple needs to happen. So uh, Mar- Mark Hughes, uh, one of the the stalwarts of the gaming community who's always been there for us, him and his awesome wife, who puts up with all of us, run an incredible auction. Uh, doesn't matter what you bring in, board games, role-playing games, and we have a good time. We're doing it Friday night uh, this year, which kind of puts it back to the way it used to be. Um, and it's just a lot of fun to get together, and you learn so much about so many games. I had no idea the auction was that big until uh, Matt's like, hey, man, can you help um, you know, run the cash box for the auction? I'm like, sure, fine, I'll do it. And uh, oh, my God, it is crazy. Like just the amount of back and forth and people selling stuff. And then some, some people will put up stuff just for charity or for, you know, a special cause and those things go through the roof and the, uh, yeah, I mean, people are, I, mean, I, I, I totally would have thought like, Oh, I mean, aren't auctions for like, you know, very expensive merchandise, collector cars, things you can't just buy on Amazon. I had no idea there'd be a, a huge participation for, you know, board game and role playing game and miniatures auctions, but Oh my God, it is like, it is crazy. People, get into the auction it's like a thing it's yeah it's it's good times and yeah you can uh most minimum bids are a dollar so it's it's hard to do wrong with the dollar and um yeah you can find some choice things and uh then then occasionally you find that stuff that came from like a gen con auction that everyone goes wait a second that's good like get a couple hundred bucks um but actually like a gen con auction it would go for a thousand so yeah, it's amazing what happens at the auctions. Yeah, those are fun. The um, so let's see, uh, uh, tabletop events is where people can sign up for games. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, hexacondenver.org has all the links. But yeah, tabletop events, uh, hexacon twenty twenty. Just type in hexacon and you'll you'll find it on tabletop events. And then crazy, crazy as it is, the very next weekend we are all recovering from hexacon and then getting on a plane to fly to New Orleans to do the Savage Cruise. Yeah, yeah, I'll be wrapping up at the hotel Monday night, uh, recovering Tuesday and Wednesday, and then getting packed on Thursday and on a plane Friday night. Yep. Cannot wait. I'm very, very excited. Yeah, no, it's good. The um, 
uh, the response was amazing. We had no idea what the response was going to be. You know, because we're just like, hey, you know, kind of, we were, you know, it was uh, Steve Kellison and Shane and I kind of were just standing standing around a room together. And we're like, um, should we do the Savage Cruise? Should we do this finally? Because um, Steve had been involved in going on some gamer cruises before. They were a little more generic board game and other kind of gaming cruises. And, um, like, should we do a Savage Cruise? Should we just really do it up? Like, you know, go all in, like Savage Worlds, do a Savage Worlds convention at sea. And Shane's like, yeah, let's do it. And so we did it. And I had no idea. I mean, like the, you know, the, the, this is the first time out. And I think a lot of the things we've tried to do is be very a la carte about it. You know, go for affordability and a la carte just to make sure that, like, see what people wanted, see what the response was. Um, I, I know other kind of gaming cruises do one price all inclusive kind of stuff that kind of hides costs here and there. Um, we're like, no, let's not. Let's let's figure it. Let, let's actually just put you know where the money's going. You know, this, you know your your carnival money's going to carnival. The the you know, the, the overhead money for us is going to us. Um, you know, we even have people buy their own shirts. How many people want to buy shirts um, separately? So they you know forgive us for the 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 piecemeal part of it. But I think that's kind of part of the plan on just figuring out you know, what this event needs to look like and how do we fund it and when do we fund it. And the, um, so we, we, we pushed for, you know, the longest funding period possible and, um, you know, as affordable as possible. We got a really good deal. I mean, like for a seven day cruise under a hundred dollars a day is like unheard of. Well, I've, I've done the board game geek cruise and, uh, definitely our pricing beat the hell out of it without a, without a doubt. Right. And we understand too, that like, you know, you're, you're also going to have to you know, fly to the right, location get to New Orleans. and that kind of stuff. So that's kind of one of the reasons we didn't want to just, you know, off the bat do a like, well, let's just uh, charter our own ship and take it over. Um, we had no idea what the numbers were. And the, our high numbers, we were, I mean, we were kind of talking with Steve and, and Fox and I, and we're like, can we get 50? Can we get 60? And Steve was like, we'll get 80. We'll get at least 80. And uh, now we're like, we were basically just under a hundred. We got, um, that the cruise was like hundreds where your guys are at. And so like literally when we got to 98, we're like, we gotta stop advertising. <laughs> like, we're good. Like, we we can we can take more people, but we can't guarantee them. Like, you know, the the ship is getting almost full, and the um, the ship's full now, and, and our our budgets, our our numbers are all full. So, if you're listening now, too late. Um, but uh, for next time, um, you know, we we've this has been good enough so far, and the response was amazing, and the feedback's been really great so far. That we are looking to do expeditions, not just cruises. Um, cruise maybe fun but the um to do kind of like i'm um, taking a cue off of one the, the cruise but two the guys who did doomtown did a like a national qualifier and then a final event in tombstone and we're like that's cool that's fun like actually just you know having you know 30 40 50 people crash in some cool you know thematic city somewhere in the world or the country and yeah um, chris and i were um in august september when were we up in south dakota God, I think maybe it was October even. Beginning, beginning of October. October? No, okay. I thought it was like end of September because it was like right after yeah. Econ and that stuff. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Uh, the the thing that got me to think about is Time is that uh, Chris and I had uh, – we're, we're walking around Deadwood and we were saying, oh my God, wouldn't it be fun to come to Deadwood and do a weekend of Deadlands games – in Deadwood. Right? And just like rent out like so so there's like multiple spots you can like are are attributed to where Wild Bill actually got schmacked. And um the uh there's the 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 bar itself still exists, but they've moved locations. 
And then the actual location, the physical GPS location is also now a bar uh, or saloon. And um, so you, there's multiple places where you can kind of go and, and relive, um, you know, the aces and the eights getting killed by the I mean, we could probably, I mean, You could go and, and probably rent space at the number 10. The uh, right and and, and the um, just like, just thinking how like how much fun it would be to be in a place where there's also other things too like so you can bring your families and there's also other things for them to do so it's not just you know uh, the the gaming widows and widowers out there um, you know who don't game but their spouses do can still have something fun to do when you can still meet up with your family and get all that fun stuff in um, but yeah I mean it'd be cool to do something in Deadwood and um, the uh, and even just maybe even just doing something like you know um, uh, kind of an area event where we do like a day at Devil's Tower and do a Deadlands because like, there's a really great Deadlands adventure written um, about Devil's Tower and um, part of the part of uh, the uh, one of the plot point campaigns right for uh, the Lost Sons Lost Sons I, I we were on Instagram and I kept saying Last Sons but it's Lost Lost Sons yeah you guys have done all the recon for it might as well do it up well right. and the funny thing is is I'm running that right now for one of my Deadlands groups and I had already run it for another group and so I'd already run that adventure and just being there and and looking around and going oh yeah this is they they uh, they they might have, they must have done a little bit of research uh, on uh, the tower because it was it was just really cool to actually be there. The right well and uh, we, we even pinged Shane. It's like so we were recording for like Instagram, but now we're like Instagrammers uh, at RM Savages people. And um, are we trying to be influencers? Uh, I think we're a long way from that right now, but we're, we're, we could try, we're, right? Right. We're, we're we're putting stuff out there. We want you know we want you to find us in the the uh, the vehicles and platforms you love best. And um, the socials, right. we're on the socials. Well, I'm gonna try to actually video some of the crews and put together something. Oh yeah, no. So like, we're gonna be away from like you know um, Wi-Fi when we're out in the middle of the uh, the Gulf and in the Caribbean. So it won't be like live tweeted, no. but we're definitely gonna like do a dump when we get back of all the fun stuff we Yeah, we're going to do, do we're going to do some recording. We're just going to we have a great little recorder so we're going to just take our little recorder and a couple microphones. I think we'll take the whole little setup and put it in the thing. We'll make make you put that on the plane. Uh, I I've, I've, I've got a I've got a back, uh, thing downstairs in my basement that will nice. work for this. Perfect. Yeah, yeah no, we'll, we'll get it we'll get it done. We'll get it done. But the um so we we ping Shane we're like Shane, you know, on in Lost Sons like that whole prairie dog colony which in Spoilers. Seven, right? By the way. <laughs> well, totally. Yeah. Totally. How long has it been out? Come on, guys. I'm yeah, not, but I'm, there's people who might not have played it. So, okay, anyways, there's a an interesting twist on Prairie Dogs in uh, Deadlandsified. And it's legit in the, the Plot Point campaign. And it's like exactly where there's actually, in real life, a Prairie Dog field of colonies. Prairie dogs are so cute with their little hands and what they do. And they're so cute. Right, in real life, they're very cute. In the, in the, and they're in plague the, bearers. The and they have fleas. And they destroy. Never mind. Yeah, horses break their legs in their little holes. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, they're so cute. So, so there's a, there's a deadlandsified version of these things that aren't so cute and cuddly, and it's in the exact same spot where there's actually a real. I'm like, I'm like Shane, this is so well researched. He's like, of course it is. Oh, so response. It's like, yeah, okay, Shane. The um, he does recon. That's what right? he does. Yeah. So you know, so expeditions are something that. Keep your eyes open. And, well, and, and, and Dustin just handed me something interesting. There's actually a Normandy invasion tour where you can go to France. Uh, tour group size, 40 to 50 people. And they've got three times a year. And, and the, that price is double occupancy. The, 
Really? The really? early bird price is fourteen hundred dollars. Yeah. Wow. We could totally do some weird Wars two stuff mm-hmm. in Normandy. Come on, that'd be amazing. That would be pretty 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 cool. Right? The, it wouldn't be nearly as, as hard to get Gilbert to join us. So Gilbert's gonna join us on the cruise all the way from Italy. And um so that was some logistics wrangling right there. But I mean, yeah, so that's the thing is the is the the world is our oyster. Um you know, cruises, flights, um, destinations. If any of you guys have an idea of like where you'd want to play some games, because like we, we love the fact that we're going to be playing some um, film noir kind of a, the, the Deadlands noir card game in New Orleans. Which is, I think I think it'll be ready, and Shane might put a couple in his his um, suitcase for us to play. But I mean, how much fun would it be to do? Um, you know, like some mob games in Chicago or, you know, hit up just, the, you know, some some cool destinations somewhere in the country with a bunch of, you know, 20 to 50 of your or 100, whatever, you know, however many we, 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 we draw in and um, and turn these into some expeditions that are just um, a little outdoorsy, a little historical, a little fun and a lot of Savage Worlds. So if you guys have any ideas, hit us up. Um, those are going to be in the planning uh, hopefully with some feedback after we go on the cruise. But So again, uproar at savagecast.com. Right. And um, yeah, no, the cruise is going to be amazing. So like we have, I think, 60 plus games already, like scheduled games for the cruise. And uh, On a seven-day cruise, we've got 60, 60 games. Yeah, right. And, and really, I mean, like, you know, on like a convention where there's kind of like three standard, four standard slots a day, we're going to be hanging out on like Grand Cayman and in Cozumel and Montego uh, Bay in the Montego Bay for like you know a good chunk of the time and um and we're trying to take it easy I mean we, we definitely could like stuff more games in but I mean 60 games and like this is like the, the first night the first night Shane Hensley himself is running his Convergence Crisis which is uh Justice League Dark versus Midnight Sons and Daughters so it's uh uh, he kind of got the idea off of a game that our Cal ran uh, locally at the con, and then he, and Shane ran it um, for us. And so it's kind of this huge 10-player supers versus supers uh, style game that's a whole lot of fun. And, um, you know, power stunting and just, you know, really pushing the rule, the supers rules um, into, into strange new places and fun new places. And um, so if you want to play, you know, and Shane has a game, you can sit down and do it. Carl Kieser is running his um, Spring Break 1985 ETU game, which is just, I mean, if you've seen his prep for this, it's its fantastic. Um, Eric Lamoureux is going to run uh, Beast and Barbarians. Uh, I'm going to be running SWAT. Um, Cheyenne Wright is actually going to run Girl Genius. So if you don't know, he does the coloring for Phil Folio for Girl Genius. So and a ton of artwork for Peg, right? And so the, the yeah, but he's actually going to be running his Girl Genius and our and logo the, for oh, Savage, right? yeah, the for Savage Expedition Cruise. Caribbean. Yes, you know he did the logo with our lovely shark and our gator. So this shark is Shane, the gator's Carl. Uh, back when those were the, the first two, like you know, celebrity guests we had. So we're actually we're dividing the ship up into Team Shark and Team Gator, and uh, so we're gonna have some uh, friendly competition between the two teams, and uh, see how that goes. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you know, where else can you play in a Cheyenne Wright game? I mean, like the dude is a savage luminary, but. You know, he doesn't really run a lot around the country. So now if you want to play in a Shining Eye game, um, Gilbert's running. He's going to run the after, um, which is awesome. If you guys, that just kickstarted. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's been a little while. I'm wa- I'm waiting for my PDF of that one. Right. And uh, so he's actually been in contact with them to get some early access materials. So like exclusive the after game on uh, our opening ceremonies. And then Jody, Jody is running Deadlands. 
And I'm like, I mean, seriously, like, like you look at that, that, that that's, that's the first night. That's the, hey, welcome to the ship. You want to play some Savage Worlds? You can play in Shane's games, Carl's games, Eric's games, Landauer's games, Cheyenne's games, Gilbert's games, Jody's games. I mean, seriously, that's like opening night. And we've got like 55 more games from um, Tim Early is going to join us. He's going to be running his holler setting. Uh, Matt Buckley, I think, is running Riffs, which is um, really cool. I mean, I, I, I haven't met Matt face-to-face yet, but um, I really want to play in a Riffs game because, I mean, that's just gonzo and crazy. And I think we, well, that was like one of the first things we even did on this show it was Sean Patrick Fannin's Riffs game. Yeah, yeah, we did an actual play of Riffs. And then uh, Todd Evans is teaming tag teaming with Carl Kiesler, and they're doing a um, Savage Love Boat. And so they're doing two different tables of it. And like, if you look at the art, they're like, this is the cast of characters you can play. It's hilarious. It is really good. It, it, uh, if you want to do something, and, and, and I mean, what are they going to do for the adventure? I mean, is it because Lumpboat always had like three or four different plot threads in one episode. It was craziness. Yeah, it's really interesting to see what they do. Cause yeah. I have no idea how they're going to do this. No, this one is fascinating awesome. to me. Uh, I would love to see commercial breaks um, and see how that happens. Oh, so but, so we're doing yeah. that with SWAT. Don't give away all our secrets, man. Well, you know. The, uh, who, who, who's to say you can't cross over there with Oh, no, bike? absolutely. would love it. The, uh, well, that's the funny thing is, is Jody is going to mm-hmm. be on one table and Clinton is going to be playing on the other table. And those mm-hmm. are just like the first two people who signed up. Like, that's hilarious. You get to play You get to play against the blacks against each other as one mm-hmm. of those two teams. I mean, that's going to be yeah. – like, that's going to be epic. Like, they're fun. As much as I love them as people – Jody, the player, is my favorite Savage Worlds player ever. Period. End of sentence. Like she's amazing. So um, yeah, that's that's gonna be crazy. Um, God, what else? Um, oh, uh, Christian Boggs is playing um, Blood on Ancient Bones, and a uh, it's a warrior princess kind of theme game. Sounds really really good. Um, James Arell is uh, gonna do actually that one of the, the non Savage Worlds games. He's gonna do Runebound for one of his games. And uh, I have never played Roombound, so that'll be exciting to get a little a little flavor of something else. Um, Cheyenne Wright is also playing Rippers. He's going to run Rippers, which I think I signed up for that game like first. I'm like, I want to play Cheyenne Wright's Rippers game. Like, you guys can have Girl Genius. I get it. I, I can't I can't hug all the good stuff, but um, yeah, Cheyenne Wright playing Rippers. Like, he does these cool little pins. I don't know if you, uh, if you guys know, but like, he designs. Like steampunk, age of sand, yeah, enamel, like, pins. enamel pins, enamel pins. And, They're yeah. awesome, right? They're so cool. And so I'm like, yeah, no, that's gonna be cool. Like the um, oh, Laura Tank. So I, I have not met Laura in person, but everyone's like, yeah, if, you, if Laura's playing a game, you need to get into it. So she's gonna be running her first one's a Deadland, Deadlands Noir game, and uh, again, just perfect for coming out of out of New Orleans, right? Like we're we're literally in the Big Easy, um, where that whole thing is set. Yeah, we're we're doing that voodoo. Uh, cemetery tour the Saturday before we get on the oh, boat. Oh, right. That's the, so yeah, the, these are the cool things. That we like. So besides, we'll get back to the games. Like one of the cool things we're doing is in honor of uh, our art and our theme and Shane and Carl. There's a a um, fantastic drink on in our hotel is right in the French Quarter on Bourbon Street, and uh, half a block from the hotel. 
there's a place called the Tropical Isle. And there's, I think there's like three of them, and they're all within like a block of our hotel. And um, But they have a drink called the Shark Attack, and it's hilarious. It's uh, You literally, they, 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 they did make a big scene out of it, and they reenact an actual like Jaws-level shark attack where some of the liqueur that they're using is inside the the body of the shark, and it's like the red Of the plastic of gray white shark. Yeah, and, and then and at the top of the... Um, uh, so they make the drink where it's kind of like blue and greenish, so it looks like the ocean. And there's a gator, a plastic gator, on the very top. And then the shark comes and finishes off the drink, and you just, you know, the water turns blood red. And uh, so that's our official cruise drink. And uh, so we're going to make a, a pilgrimage over to the tropical isle and get everybody wasted on these totally boozy um, shark attack drinks. And the. Um, and so that was like one of the first things we're going to do one there. And then, as Dustin said, we've arranged for a couple-hour tour of New Orleans um, before we get on the boat. Yeah, Sunday and Sunday morning. It's a three-hour tour. Right. It, I, I was I was laughing when when she wrote that. I'm like, oh shit! I don't know if I want to take a three-hour tour and then go get on the boat. <laughs> I've never been on a boat like this before. Oh my God, Gilligan! Is anyone running a Gillen's Islands game? Like someone needs to do this now. The um, but yeah, no. So we're gonna do we're gonna do the cemetery tour and kind of go around and, and you know stuff our faces with all the amazing New Orleans food, and um, so just have some of the cool stuff. And like, like at every at every stop too. Like so the the middle three days of the cruise, we're doing stops uh, on the islands, and those you like people can just go off. Like you know, you're kind of expected to get off the boat, and you can go like, have you signed up, Fox, for your um, the manta ray? No, diving? but I, I know exactly what I'm signing up for. Where is that? Which one is that on? Grand That's Cayman? Grand Cayman. Grand, you swim with stingrays. Uh, I'm doing that one. I'm doing the uh, Adventure Park in Cozumel with a bunch of friends that are going on the cruise. My my friend the Ingrams and their and their boys are going on the cruise. That so one gonna, looks cool. It's like I'm you're gonna jeeping go around like there's like yeah underwater caves. It's and the most a Jeep expensive tour. excursion uh, <laughs> in Cozumel, but it's an all day thing. Yeah, you're zip lining, swimming, uh, uh, inner tubing through caves, all kinds of stuff. So, and I have no idea what I'm doing in Montego Bay yet. Um, you're gonna go to the Jimmy Buffett place i'm hoping to hit margaritaville in all three is as long as i can just get in get your, a, get your in. liver is not gonna no, no, no. survive no this actually i don't think i'll have time my my whole thing is get in get a t-shirt or a hat because i'm a i'm a hat collector and a t-shirt collector and you're not a margarita collector oh i'll drink some margaritas if i have time <laughs> Oh, there's no doubt that there'll be margaritas drank if I have time. I, I, I need to check to see if there's a senior frogs on either of those three Cozumel. because their rum buckets are nuts. I think I think Cozumel has a senior frogs. Um, Tambri and I are going to be doing a submarine that uh, puts you under the water ten feet, um, and it's it's like a glass bottom submarine. That's so cool. it actually puts you under the water, but it's is the windows are as big as like a glass bottom boat. It's like scuba diving without nice. all the gear on your body. And where's that at? Uh, that is at Grand Cayman. Okay. So that's, that's going to be our, we're not going to do short excursions on the other two because we tend to like to just go on our own recognizance and get ourselves in trouble. Um, okay. So just go and hang out. And- it, we usually find the coolest restaurant on Yelp that is closest to a beach so we can eat food and put our feet in the sand. Well, then, then Dustin, you, you, you're you going to have a job. In case I can't get to Margaritaville and you're not doing excursions, yes, I'll have you will. stop at Margaritaville on two of those for me. <laughs> can you we, buy me stuff, we, Will you buy me we, stuff at Margaritaville? We, we, uh, we go exploring. No, that's a good idea. Like I'm taking my like old as like Methuselah dad uh, on this trip. And uh, so, yeah, I'm not doing the adventure stuff this time around. Was, you know, 
like dad is not scuba certified and I'm pretty sure trying to like throw someone in with I don't know sleep apnea breathing problems like post stroke into scuba just, gear which just, is not just, just put a, a life jacket on him and toss him in the water right I, I rode hey, dad, myself float around for a little while put myself away wet in my 20s I'm now 40 I, I just put my feet in the sand and drink and eat. Right? I think that's kind of what we're going to do. We're just going to like find like the buy shrimp by the kilo, buy a couple kilos, go find some sandy, you know, area that people watch and hang just, with us. We'll we'll right? make it work. Yeah, yeah. That's so I, think, that's I think that's the plan. The um but the I was going to try to do Cheats and Eatsa, um but we can't it we're the problem with Cozumel is not enough time. You need a, sh- a cruise that gets in and like ass early in the morning and leaves ass late at night. Because apparently Cozumel itself is an island, and then you mm-hmm. have to go from the island back to the main shore and then get on a bus and then bus for several hours we, out to the site. Uh, we did a crazy Cancun trip back uh, May of 2001, so this dates me a little bit. But yeah, we spent two weeks in Cancun, and that Chitsunitsa trip was literally an all-day thing, yeah. like almost 24 hours. Um, but it was amazing. Uh, Tulum is close though, so that isn't too shabby. Yeah, we might do Tulum. We'll see. Mm-hmm. The because um, it is pretty. You literally have a temple on the beach on this huge cliff. It looks like something uh, right out of Indiana Jones. That's kind of cool. It was like so. My dad took me to Egypt, so I'm kind of like I'm trying to return the favor and take him to you know the other pyramids in the world. No, Tulum would work. So that kind of be we might, we'll mm-hmm. do Tulum. The um, but yeah, no, I mean like the this is kind of cool thing, right? And so like see the as much as we're doing group. Adventures and Odysseys to all these other different things, too. Um, you know, you can still do all the crew stuff and hang with your family and pick what you want to do and pick what games you want to be in. Oh, yeah. I'm going to – I've said – we've talked about this before, but I am I am most definitely doing cruisy stuff. I'm going to go – I'm going to go do karaoke a couple nights. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. We're going to get in trouble for the karaoke. They, they, they have, they have, a, a certain they have one room on the Carnival Glory that is like the lewd and obnoxious room – that they have that goes into the wee hours of the morning. So yeah, I think a crew of us will, after gaming, go over there and just do something up. Yeah, that sounds fun. Oh yeah, uh, I'm I'm thinking some kind of savage LARP that no one's ever seen before. Ooh, I I, I also like dirty karaoke though because I have a lot of really foul songs that are really fun to sing mm. that I don't want to have recorded for posterity, but I'm actually really good at. Yeah, I'm not bringing the video camera to that. Yeah, yeah right. Good, 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 good. Yeah, that uh, some things just need to stay on the boat and not be recorded. Right. Well, that's, that's the cool thing. So uh, you guys probably don't know, but Dustin actually contributed to our pirate setting, and uh, we haven't released it yet, mostly because the suede happened. And we're like, do we want to release it for the old one, too, and the new one? So I think we're going to talk with Charles and eventually release all the ones that we've already paid for um, and had written for suede now, for Buccaneer. But yeah, Dustin did up a whole um, uh, pirate adventure. So we're actually going to be playing some Buccaneer through Hell and High Water yeah, yeah, in the, the high waters. The, uh, feel free to read the title of the one that I'm doing. Uh, oh, God, let's see. Let's, kind let's, of down let's, at the bottom there. Let's find it where yeah. you are at. Oh, see, other fun people while I'm looking for mm-hmm. Dustin's. I'm Corey Dersham is going to be running ETU Chickens of the Mist for Savage City Night. Which, wow. Get ready for some large cocks. <laughs> right? The cockpit. And a the, lot of uh, cock jokes. And the cock rings. Oh, my God. Like, I just, that's going to be amazing. And then, oh, oh, friend of the show, Daryl Hayhurst. He's going to be running 50 Fathoms, which is going to be, oh, he's actually running a three set of that. Here it is. Dustin Hatchett's Buccaneer Through Hell and High Water, The Newcomers. The floating villages that encircled our home once now. Uh, there we go. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It basically, a tease is you are playing the natives. That's cool. Oh, that'll be fun. And, of course, the natives know how to do everything that 
no spoilers to what is in Buccaneer and, you know, but they know how to make all that stuff happen. And the newcomers have no idea what's coming to them. Oh, that's, that's fun. I like that twist. That's I like awesome. that you. I like that you guys have titles for your games. Mine uh, are both uh, TBA. SWAT to be announced. Yeah, yeah right? SWAT to be oh, an, to no, be they... announced and Buccaneer to be announced. Yeah, mine's all written, ready to go. I'm 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 a I'm a hankering to play it. I may be going the Landauer route and have maybe some bullet points and some notes. And go from there. Well, you ran one of the ones for the the kids up in South Dakota. That were, were, yeah, that's well. one. Yeah, that's one of the ones I'm gonna. That's one yeah. I'm run, one I'm running on the cruise. That one looks that that's that should be a fun game. It'll be fun. And not to leave anybody out, but um, Tony Dagatano is running Dungeon Crawl Classics, which is going to be hilarious. And uh, uh, yeah, I think he's running a, a the a, the full funnel. Yeah. Right. And. Um, I, yeah, that would just be fun to watch. And I think that might be it for our Game Masters. I'm looking through the list. Did we have another non-Savage Worlds one that was in there? Uh, there's the Runebound game. Yeah, that's, um, that's what I was thinking. Fox of. is running Gaslands, of course. Oh, oh, yeah. oh of course I'm running Gaslands. I'm running micro Gaslands. I'm bringing all my micro machines and my mini mm-hmm. gates and all my mini terrain. And I'll be running a, a, a mini micro machine Gaslands game. Yeah, that's a fun. That's fun. That's awesome. I'm, it's going to be fun. I have played Gaslands with both of you independently, and that's almost amazing because I actually yes. don't own any of the things. You don't know you don't own anything. And I think we I have won. I won all those games too. Like I, I am the worst player. I'm like the guy everyone else hates. Like the uh, when, when uh, Matt and I stopped off to say hi to Shane in Arizona, he pulled out the uh, the Godfather board game, and again, I like my board game. Uh, resume is very short and so we're playing the game and at one point in the game I'm taking too long to decide on what my moves are and Shane just leans into the table and he's like Landauer this isn't a deck building game play your damn cards <laughs> yeah analysis paralysis can happen in that game uh, that's one done by Eric Lang and uh, it's he, a good he makes game. that dude always makes awesome games I mean the funny part about that game and I don't know it's kind of a sidetrack but the there are some really fun mechanics where you can start offing the other players there's a, there's a worker placement game but you can get you can kill and get killed and so um, Simon's kids so Simon from uh, Pinnacle the uh, his Simon Lucas his uh, son they were, they were bragging about how he was playing the last time they played it he just killed everybody the entire game just every chance he got he'd kill somebody and there was one round where the entire part of the game board is the East River, and the whole East River was filled with all of our pieces. There was like one dude left standing on the board because Simon just rattled off, you know, kill you, kill you, kill you. And uh, yeah, it was amazing. It's like there was like, you know, oh, it's a worker placement game. There are no workers on the board <laughs> anymore. They're all floating in the river. And uh, yeah, no, fun game. And that actually, yeah. Uh, the board itself lends itself to like a Savage Worlds game. If you want to do a dramatic task, like in each of those different sections, when I was looking at that board, I built one night in New York, like in my head. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, no. And that's the thing is you and I have talked about this, but like, so we've put this project off just because there are so many other in the boards and wise guys just came out. But the um, Dustin and I have talked about, like, I want to do a Godfather style Savage Worlds game. And that board is kind of the board I had in my yeah, head. I mean, yeah. I, I do a little more, a little more granularity on the boroughs because mm-hmm. you need more families. But that was my idea: was that like yeah. if you're going to do a Savage Worlds Mafia game, that unlike Wise Guys, which is amazing and going definitely on the fun parody kind of um, less serious route. But if you want to really do hardcore Godfather, 
um, and go a different route on it, the area control and shakedowns and those kind of things well, and you the do. the pieces and parts from that game you could totally use. Right? And, uh, and that'd be a great way to just run that RPG. I mean, it's, it's an RPG which kind of needs bookkeeping, right? If, if you're... If you want to be able to run a, an area control, multiple factions fighting over uh, fighting over places, and this this is again you know was gonna gonna see its first light of day in, in marginalia with the city state combat, um, but you almost if you want to make it easy on the game master, create a board that allows you to save your progress, and and gives players an easy way to look and see what they want to do next. Um, versus trying to just put it all on the game master to try to keep notes on who owns what and who's who's shaking down who and who's got who's going to the matters against who you know it, it almost the, you know, gamifying it means board gamifying and there it, is so. a, there is a game out there already very not savage worlds very similar called blades in the dark blades in the dark you're playing gangs of scoundrels yeah and trying a lot of it's to, heist though right? it's heist but you're also able to take take over different areas of the city based on your rep and things like that. You can lose areas of the city. Okay, nice. And so there is there is that aspect. I haven't played it. I own it. Again, one of those that I bought and, ooh, this is, looks really cool. I'll buy it and now I'm probably never going to get to play it. There, there's a fantastic game, Deep Cut here, uh, from an Australian company back from 1987 called Shanghai Trader. And it is you trying to get as much money as you can in 1950s before and get out of Shanghai before it goes over to the communists. And it's its own role playing game, board game, hybrid craziness. And the map that it has in it is a role player map stream. If you go out to Board Game Geek and just take a look at the board, you'll see what I'm talking about. And you'll go, oh, there's the airport and there's this and there's that. It is for a game from 1987 that board invokes. I want to role play this. It's uh, um, there's some great old board games like that that do that. I showed you the Avalon Hill. You know they they had a lot of area control kind oh, yeah, of games. Oh well, yeah, and that World War the 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 nuclear game. Where you're, yeah, the two different decks that you're, you're building up. Yeah, got a little. Um, another one that if you want to do Weird Wars two game, and you need a map of a bridge too far. Uh, you can go ahead and um, uh, Avalon Hill had uh, literally a um, uh, board game, Bridge Too Far, that you can go ahead and it has the areas that you can try to use and control in a role-playing game. And the way that it's set up, you can totally do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing. Is like for Marginalia, like you let me borrow Machiavelli, which is like um, uh, diplomacy, but instead of being World War One diplomacy, it's Italy. And um, same thing, looking at that map on seeing, mm-hmm. like, you know, that's the thing. Is, 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 it's interesting as far as game design. Like we were talking, Dustin had a book out here that was uh, uh, a textbook on was it the theory of game design or what is the name of that book? Fox, right behind you. Yeah, it's on top of the, the space art of, space. The art of game design. Oh, the art yeah. of game yeah. design. They just came out with a 10th anniversary third edition that is fantastic. Right. And there's a lot more to it. Like, you know, when you're actually trying to do network analysis and options and you know, some games are really easy to play or fun to play. You don't have to think too deeply about them. But the design, when you're starting to kind of worry about, you know, meta meta mechanics and and um, you know that kind of stuff, it's like there there's some challenges there. And so like the you know, there actually is an art and a science behind all this stuff. That's really kind of cool. Um, you know, that's kind of what we tried to do with like with Buccaneer, right? We're like, okay, if, if we want to make ships more interesting, we have to have some sort of like 
cheat sheet for everybody. And how do we do cheat sheets with regular role playing? Well, character sheets. Character sheets is your cheat sheet that tells you what you can do and what you can't do, and you know, it, it gives you hints on how to role play. Well, then we'll make ships characters, and we'll do a ship character sheet, and that's what we do with Buccaneer. Right, and create so, your own shit. Right, and so the same kind of thing. If you want to do mafia area control. That's a board then. You know, it's a map and it's a map that remembers. So the map becomes a sort of character sheet for the campaign. And uh, and Dustin was talking about it too. Like we were, you know, I, I think I think I pushed Dustin off this edge, but the, he just mentioned tonight that he was he was a certain wonderful D and D setting that I don't know why it hasn't been brought back with this no current D and D resurgence. There's just there's one, and, and I mean, seriously, listeners will know what it is because like the, of all the D and D settings that haven't been given love recently, this is the one that's like. So different, so interesting. The uh, but birthright, like mm-hmm. you know, why? Oh, I thought maybe we were talking about Dragonlance. Oh, we like Dragonlance too. I do too. But but Dragonlance, you can pick up any of those books and convert it to Savage Worlds. Birthright was you are in control of an entire. You are the nobility, and it it is seriously Game of Thrones before Martin even finished his first book. And that's what blows my mind. I'm like, hey, D&D, you could just reskin this and just call it D&D Game of Thrones. Like, seriously. Yeah, yeah, it's it's weird to me that that's the one. They've gone back to the well on several other settings. They mm -hmm. just haven't done Birthright. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Eberron just came out for 5e. Mm -hmm. The official Eberron stuff, as far as I know, came out for 5e. And, uh, I mean, you could go through all the different D&D settings and what needs to come back. Um, Yeah. Uh, one of my other favorites is Council of Worms. I mean, I've thrown that down as a savage setting, and trust me, Savage World's dragons are no joke. And it is a good time had by all. Um, Unless your dragon fails a roll on the puppet power and then ends up killing itself. I had a group of players basically take out a black dragon because I rolled so poorly and I spent bennies and I could not make my opposed roll for a puppet power. And so when it kills they, itself, it just becomes a lich dragon and they go for round two. Now I gave them, I gave them the attaboy because this, this was the boys and this one, they were all younger. And so they really, they thought that was one of the coolest things ever so, because some, they were novice. They were so, novice when they did it. Sometimes you can give a win in a role-playing game and actually have it feel like a win. Yes, oh yeah. It's okay. Yeah. You know, and, and we talk all the time about it doesn't matter if you're novice, doesn't matter if you're legendary. These were novice characters. Now, it wasn't a, a full-blown adult black dragon, but still, they were novice characters, and they took out a black dragon. When I come to think of it, I played a lot of D&D, and I don't know if my group ever actually killed a dragon. Like, we played, we tried to do Red Mountain, Red Dragon Mountain, Red, well, Red Dragon Mountain. See, what you do is you you can throw in little dragons, to be fun, you don't have to always make it about a huge, big old dragon because that's that's no fun. Being able to try to kill a little dragon is pretty cool. Uh, we just did a Savage Realms, uh, doing Forgotten Realms with Savage Worlds uh, rules, and a, a young blue dragon and electricity in Savage Worlds is no joke with the way the statuses work now. Um, yeah, that's scary. Don't get electrocuted <laughs> because the statuses will screw you up bad. Uh, we uh, uh, we went deep into how statuses work on one hapless person who got double ones oh. when they got hit by the electricity. Ouch. 
See, that's fun. That's fun. The uh, I, 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 riffing on that. Uh, I I think in the next couple years, people are going to realize how significant the new statuses are. I oh, mean, they're so there, there's going to be a lot that kind of there's a lot there to play with. Oh, oh. if you can if you can get a, a, a table to work as a team, distracted and vulnerable are amazing mm-hmm. against against. You're bad guys, and and I now use it against the players. Yeah, the the layers of storytelling you can do without worrying about how many wounds, mm-hmm. or if you're coming from another system that's using hit points. The status is I can I'm starting to now write into my adventures, knowing what statuses are going to be basically invoked on either players or on the NPCs to make that dynamic of role playing happen because the statuses are fantastic. But and I think it also allows for even in fantasy, right? Even in like like there was some flack on your um, Savage Realms post about it's the boringest thing. It's like that's that's what defines RPG fantasy is Forgotten Realms. Like, sorry, dude, it um, is the kitchen sink, right? But you know, but it's, it, and, and as I said before, like it might be considered vanilla now, but you have to remember, vanilla is one, it's delicious. And two, it's made from the sex organs of exotic plants. Orchid sex parts is what you're eating when you're eating vanilla. Like, it's not bland. It's not boring. Like, the whole... The, the, it's the, sexy? It's sexy. Okay. It's good. I mean, that's why vanilla... I'm everyone loves vanilla. But like, it, it is an exotic flavor. It and, is... And, and vanilla, you could put sprinkles on it. You could put chocolate on it. Whipped cream. Bananas. You can fry it. I mean, come on. You could do anything with vanilla. It's good. Right? So... Eat it. So yeah, I mean, when people complain, it's like, oh, it's, it's boring. Sure, there's there's definitely something fun to be had about going niche and going away from kitchen sink and everything else. But like, you know, there's a lot to mine there. And the non-traditional characters that aren't just doing like damage per second, right? There's those statuses allow characters to be really interesting on how they can help the rest of the group, and um, you know, and you don't have to just be a missile chucker or a spear thrower or a sword wielder or whatever. Um, you know, the, those statuses, I don't know, even though they're meta, right? They are a meta game. And I think part of, I always liked the, in the previous version of Savage Worlds, the, the initiative metas, the, um, the leadership edges that allowed you to screw around with who was going when. And now the statuses also allow, besides the leadership edges, allow any player um, to, to not only, you, know, you don't have to be doing damage. You can really kind of, um, you know, tweak how you're helping the group. And uh, yeah, we know. just started Hellfrost again. We're uh, third session in, and I'm playing a wizard. And we played this past Sunday, and I used tons of tests. Now, none of them worked because our entire role-playing group could not roll dice to save our lives. It was a horrible slog of trying to kill these damn orcs because none of us could roll well. But I was using tests, and I was using those to try to show the other players who don't you know, who haven't played as as much as me, and we've got one brand new player, kind of some of the things you could do using those tests. And they're just, you know, and you can use it whatever skill you want. You just have to be able to to give a good reason why that skill is going to be used as a test. Well, and to add on to that, with a dramatic task, what we also did with Savage Realms is we have a 20-year-old 
college student. She, um, this is her third time, actually her fourth time playing role-playing at all. And we had her go and do D&D 5th uh, edition for the first three. And now we've converted everyone over to Savage World. So they can try something out and get their feet wet. And one thing she was able to do, being a dramatic task, is the whole table waited while she did a recon mission to a... Um, uh, and and uh, uh, basically a manor house that had been overrun. This is, uh, my uncle took a adventure from a 1998 dungeon and converted it to Savage Worlds to run this. And she had four things, four challenges in her dramatic tasks that she had to do and accomplish for the rest of the group to, you know, get what they needed to do for this recon. What's so fascinating is in most games, when you take one player, shine the spotlight on them, the rest of the game dies, but with a dramatic task, everyone's rooting for that player. Everyone's totally waiting for the drama to happen, for things to go through. Um, and being able to do the exact same thing two uh, sessions ago in D&D 5e, you could tell the fundamental difference of when someone splits from the group and does their own thing. And that right away dramatic tasks uh she is now a role player for life because she was able to get the spotlight for 20 minutes and it didn't slow the game down at all i think dramatic tasks are also a really good way like as you mentioned you can split the party and then not kill the game kind of in the same manner that that uh, you mentioned before like blades in the dark the uh, and wise guys uh, picked up on this and we've done something similar in swat too but, but the way you do heists in blades of the dark and the way that the uh, eric wrote heists for wise guys goes along the vein of the dramatic task on um you, you don't have to pre-plan everything with the, your characters are going to do while while you're actually rolling and finding out what you're coming up against that the, the game master's giving you new information you can call for like a flashback and that flashback is i mean technically it's splitting the party because like it's you know only some of you are going to be in the flashback but it it allows it one it resolves it quickly and it's interesting and it still keeps the game moving narratively and quickly well uh, and and this is perfectly to your point i ran the dramatic task uh as a co-GM PMPC for my uncle who is running the main game. And of course he hit the wall of text for the next whole section of stuff. And he forgot to read that section out of the dungeon from 1998. So he had to go into a corner and read a novel for that 20 minutes. Well, I did the recon dramatic mm -hmm. task so that way then he could hear what she succeeded on in the dramatic task and knew what sections to skip and what sections to have from what he was reading. That's how hive mind co-GMing works. And so, yeah, dramatic tasks, don't you, they're the perfect thing. If you want to co-GM to have them run the dramatic tasks while you're running the main game. Well, and the, the time limit on them, too. Like, if you had to go back, like, if, if we were playing in middle school, D&D, AD&D, um, like, second edition, and, you know, oh, I want to go ahead and, and, and scout out the manor in front of everybody else. Like, the only way to run that would be, okay, fine, you get initiative, and then they, they get initiative, and, like, we're just going to gonna run oh, yeah. rounds. No one, no one else gets initiative no except else. for that one person who's exactly. engaged in that because time is different there. And, yeah, when we did that in second session – and that's when Tim realized, oh, I just need to get over to set these. They, they at least got the bug. 5e worked. They're playing D&D, but let me get over to Savage Worlds with them. And now we have. And yeah, that transition was incredible. 
I think that's part of the inspiration for why we're doing SWAT too, is the fact that the tool Savage Worlds uses fit more with cinematic tropes and, and the language of film um, in your mind. Like no one, no one, when you're watching, you know, an interestingly cut together film would, would, would go to, Oh no, we're going to play the, the flashback in real time. Like no one's going to do that. No, it's, 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 it's a little bit of, of, of exposition sliced in between the current stuff. That's just giving you enough information to keep it going. Well, Savage Worlds does that mechanically. So it feels more like a film. It feels more like those storytelling things. And uh, you can even do that more with quick encounters. Exactly. Right. And, uh, and, and, um, you know, folks may not think Forgotten Realms and that is, is that great of a fantasy. It works for what we need because we don't need the setting to override the role play. We need the setting to be an easy map. Everyone knows it's never winter, you know, and that, you know, here's where we're at and here's, you know, it, 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 it no problem. We don't need the setting to override what we're trying to do with each of the characters and what we're playing. That's why we chose Savage Realms because it didn't take away from what was getting done with the characters. So we're, we're an hour and some into this already. So the, here, here's a statement that we will come back to in a year or two um, because we know things. But when, when as role players or as gamers and you look at something like Pathfinder and D&D, Forgotten Realms and whatever, um, I think all too often we always allied the system and the setting. And so, but there's, there's a separation there that can be done where Pathfinder has this rich fluff and D and D has these different settings, which rich fluff in them that the fluff is interesting regardless of whether what what edition you're playing in those, you know, like the rise of the rule lords. I know someone has is, is, is gone through and, and, and reskin those and is running those in Savage Worlds um, because, you know, whether or not you are on board or love or hate or whatever, the actual mechanics of D&D 3.5 or 3.75 or Pathfinder or whatever, um, there's good fluff there. There's good storytelling and worlds to play there. And we just like playing in Savage World, so and 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 to call it fluff, I, I I know you mean it in the most reverent terms of this is good stuff, and that's it. You know, you look at Dragonlance, you and then see Dragonlance was never my jam, but Dragon Riders of Pern was. Dragon Riders of Pern worked fine in GURPS because it did. Um, and that's the kind of thing it, once again, the, I've never been stuck on just a system. I've always been about, uh, what is going to best serve the game and my players and not best serve me as GM, but the game and my players. If it's harder to run for me as a GM, that's fine. I just work harder. Um, that's, uh, yeah, it's, um, uh, I used to run a lot of Everway and you want to talk about a crazy system. Uh, you're using art cards to build your characters and w- how you're running things. It, uh, it was one of the most innovative systems ever. And I've never even heard of this. It sounds amazing. Oh, I got a hand a copy of it to you. I've got four copies downstairs. Uh, it is. Yeah. Every way. Uh, if no one, it, it, uh, take any savage world setting, take rippers and use the Everway mechanics. And it's bizarre. It's so much fun. Yeah. Yep. Play people, just play games. Don't don't get stuck in ruts. Life is too short to get stuck in ruts. 
right? So that's where we're going on ships. So uh, <laughs> if you guys, again, if you have any ideas on where in the world and what kind of fun expeditions you would like to take Savage Worlds on, hit us up at admin at Rocky Mountain Savages uh, or uproar at savagecast.com. Uh, let us know and we will incorporate that into our plans. And we will, we will, I'm sure during the cruise, we will be discussing with Shane and Jody and Clint and everybody else, um, you know, where do we want to go next? What's our encore? And uh, so if you want to have a say in that, um, hit us up with some ideas. The uh, show ideas, we could right? use those. I know, right? We do need show ideas. And um, yeah, but other than that, like hit us up at Hexacon. So remember uh, Hexacon happening right before the cruise. Uh, HexaconDenver.org. Uh, HexaconDenver.org or just on tabletop events. And uh, uh, I've got all my meta tags right, my headers right. If you Google it, it's there. Right. And SavageCruise.com to check out what we're doing there. Again, the ship is full. But um, if you are interested in joining us either on another cruise or another expedition, um, definitely you can hit us up. Um, admin at Rocky Mountain Savages or hit up savagecruise.com and contact our travel agent and we'll put you on the list for future fun there. I, I think I am going to get the social Wi-Fi package just because I'm a nutball like that. So I'll be throwing my stuff up on my Instagram and stuff. And if you give me the hook up on the Rocky Mountain Savages Instagram, I could probably do some stuff. Cool. So yeah, look out for all the fun stuff we're going to be doing then. But I think this will be our last show before we get on the cruise. Most likely. Yeah. With the, hol- yeah, with the holidays yeah, with, yeah, and Hexacon. Hexacon. Um, you guys are more than welcome to do some recording at Hexacon. We have a media room that you can literally take over and have a good time with. Uh, we have the Mile High Dungeon Delvers who are going to be there doing a live Twitch show uh, from the media room as well. So it should be a lot of fun. And I think you guys need to meet those guys because you'd like those guys. Oh, yeah. And speaking of Twitch, there is a new category on Twitch now for Savage Worlds. So you can, like, organize all the Savage World streamers on one page. I gave him a softball segue. Right? Pitch, catch, hit, whatever. Um, not not a sex reference. The uh, Anyways, <laughs> this has been episode 39 of the Savage Cast. Cheers, guys. Savage Cast is a proud member of the Savage World Media Network. This podcast references the Savage Worlds game system available from Pinnacle Entertainment Group at www.pegging.com. It is unofficial media content permitted under the Media Network Content Agreement. This content is not managed, approved, or endorsed by Pinnacle Entertainment Group. Certain portions of the materials used are intellectual property of Pinnacle and all rights are reserved. Savage Worlds, all related settings, unique characters, locations, and logos, and trademarks are copyrights of Pinnacle Entertainment Group. Yeah, Micro Machine, <laughs> asshole. Take that, bitch. And that has to go at the end of every show now.